I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. We have Sports Canada. I'm your host, Wim Lou, speaking to you after yet another statement win by the Toronto Raptors, beating the Eastern Conference leading Philadelphia 76ers by a score of 110 to 103. And I mean, <laughs> this was just a really fun game, actually. I mean, uh, on top of everything else, on top of getting the win. Just one of the most interesting games of the season that I've seen from the Raptors. One of the most well-played. Uh, a great team effort. He played really, really hard to get this win. A lot of tactical changes on both sides, to be honest. And um, just some great execution by the Raptors down the stretch in the fourth quarter to really lock down the Sixers and to come away with the win because there's no real reason why the Sixers should be that good offensively. They had like 84 points through the first three quarters. The Raptors were not doing a good job. In the paint, they were well. They were doing a good job in the paint. The Sixers were also just doing a good job of getting to every single foul call. Um, and uh, Embiid and Simmons combining for 28 free throws, which is kind of hilarious. Raptors had 18 total, and that's with intentional fouling at the end. But nevertheless, um, Raptors defensively really, really locked in the fourth quarter, and the Raptors are so much fun to watch when they hit that high gear defensively. We saw it against the Bucks. We saw it against the Bucks again. And then we saw it even against the Timberwolves. That game was obviously a, a struggle because um, the Raptors sh- should not be down that much. Although, you got to give this, the Timberwolves credit, to be honest. I was watching back on the highlights of that one. They played their asses off defensively. They deserve some credit, even though they lost. But, um, yeah, the Raptors, you know, when they lock in defensively, they can really get it done. And the Sixers tonight had a stretch of 10 straight missed field goals in the fourth quarter as the Raptors kind of pulled away there. And uh, it was just a really, really fun game. You know, a lot of players stepping up and um, a really good team victory, really. Um, but I think you kind of have to start in the, to the end of third quarter, really, because the star of the show was Chris Boucher. Holy crap, Chris Boucher was incredible, man. Uh, the end of the third quarter. So if he had a pretty quiet first half, I thought. He had a block in the corner on a three on Isaiah Joe, um, the rookie, but... You know, kind of a quiet first half for Chris Boucher, but, you know, uh, the third quarter, he checks in. At that point, he checked in four Baines. The Raptors had gone small. Um, They went to this sort of zone look to try to cover up from the fact that Embiid was still there, and Embiid was just torching them. You know, he hit 
Uh, Boucher with the dream shake kind of move along the baseline in the post, getting in for an and one. Uh, Embiid also scored another time, so it was a bit of an issue. They had to bring Baines back into this game, and Baines played a great game. But everyone's gonna get some love tonight. But that's when Boucher really started to shine because the Raptors went to this three, um, basically three forward starting line or um, a unit where they had their two centers on the floor with Baines. Uh, in the initial assignment against Embiid with Boucher on the floor as well, playing power forward, and with Pascal Siakam playing three. And if this sounds familiar, it's because the Raptors famously did this to swing the 2019 playoff series against the Sixers, which was also another dogfight. But the Raptors, um, you know, thanks in large part to Kawhi's shot, thanks in large part to Serge Ibaka pulling up a Ben Simmons, th- uh, but also thanks in large part to Nick Nurse going to that small ball group when the Raptors were desperate down 2-1 in Philly. I, I, I swear to God, I still have nail marks in the media desk um, in Wells Fargo Arena because that game was so stressful. I, I, um, I was just like digging into the wood until Kawhi hit that jumper. But basically, the Raptors swung that series because they were able to, you know, size up and they started playing bigger and they started playing Ibaka with Gasol, with Siakam at the three. And this is the kind of a situation where it was the same deal. Obviously, you know, we've talked all season about, oh man, we missed Serge, we missed Mark. And of course we do, but tonight they ran that same strategy and I didn't really miss them because they were getting that kind of production, if not more, from the likes of Boucher, from the likes of Baines, and of course Pascal being Pascal, but um, Boucher in that third quarter stretch was incredible because um, he started just catching fire from three. He made um, four threes. <laughs> that w- that was a personal 12 nothing run for the Raptors in terms of scoring sensational stuff and you know initially it was okay so Baines came in uh matched up with Embiid for a while then the Sixers took Embiid off the floor they put Dwight Howard in and Dwight Howard was covering um Boucher and the Raptors were just running pick and pop which was smart honestly you know Dwight Howard wants to be in the paint Dwight Howard's like 30 some odd years old doesn't really want to move he's kind of stiff um and so, you know, Boucher popping out to the three-point line. And it was funny at first because the Sixers had chances to rotate. They were kind of like, ah, nah, you're not really going to shoot that. Come on, look at, the, look at the form and everything. There's no way he's going to make that three. And then he makes two threes. Then the Sixers start really trying to go at him and try to close out. But still, the pick and pop, you know, was still able to create open looks for Boucher. And honestly, that fourth three during that stretch, the Raptors came out of the timeout. And they ran a play for Boucher almost as if he was a shooting guard. Because they had him curling around a, a screen away from the ball. And, uh, and then a quick, you know, uh, you know, point to wing pass and Boucher had the three like it was, you know, you would run that play for Kyle Lowry. You would run that play for, for Fred. You run that play for Norm. And they were running that play for Boucher. And, and why not? He was red hot. And he got a little putback um, sneaking behind the defense. I believe Baines, tried, you know, uh, shot a, a shot. There was a bit of a rebound scuffle and Boucher just popped in there for a putback. Boucher was sensational during that stretch because the Raptors really pulled away. I mean, just look at his plus-minus on the night, okay? Chris Boucher was a plus 32 in 25 minutes. And that's not like an aberration or anything. Like, it really was that effective. And I thought, you know, as good as he was offensively during that stretch, which, I mean, again, this guy was launching just, you know, pure flames from his hands. Uh, But, you know, he was also just as good defensively because with Baines handling the initial assignment against um, Embiid, which... You know, to be fair, Boucher was not doing that. And you just can't expect him to. He's too small. Like, the thing with Boucher, the thing with Embiid is, the Raptors have obviously played Embiid quite a bit, right? And generally speaking, what they do is, 
they pressure him, they send two to the ball, and they try to make him, you know, either pass out or, well, either pass out of a double team or just pass out out of exhaustion. And the pass and beat has not been um, the the most conditioned athlete, although this series seems a little different. Um, but in any case, the, one of the keys to doubling Embiid is that you need enough size to prevent him from going one way. You either take away left or you take right. You take away the baseline, take away the middle. And whichever way you take away, you really have to take that away because then if he's forced to go the other way, that's where the double team can help and arise and maybe catch him by surprise, but at least sort of stop him that way. And I thought Baines did a really good job of doing that in the initial assignment. And with that happening, that freed up Boucher to sort of be more of a, you know, um, uh, sort of a free safety defensively. And that's something you don't want <laughs> as, as, as an offense, trust me. Philadelphia, I mean, one thing that's good about playing them is that they will often play non-shooters on the floor, right? So, you know, you have obviously Ben Simmons, you have Dwight Howard, Matisse Thibel is not really a three-point threat. You know, you know Corkmaz, I mean, he barely played in the first half. He missed two threes, he left. Um, Isaiah Joe is a shooter. I mean, he, he was a shooter in college. Um, but how much is he going to shoot at the NBA level? We'll see. I mean, Embiid did, bl- or Boucher did block his shot, but Boucher was able to just, um, in that power forward slot, kind of rotate around. I mean, the Raptors were pretty much constantly in rotation anyway because they were sending so much doubles. But um, that left Boucher to either help with the basket, either help with the three-point line. And, you know, it's one of those things that's really underrated about his game is how many shots he just gets to. Like I tweeted this out the other day. There are he first off he leads the Raptors in shot contests. It's not even close. He has like three hundred and forty before this game, and I'm sure it's probably gone up to like you know like three hundred and sixty by now. But um, you know Boucher leads the Raptors in total shot uh, contests, right? And this is sort of using the tracking data that's able to find out the positioning of each player. But you know it, what's unique about the way Boucher plays is that he not only contests a lot of shots at the rim, but he also contests a ton of threes. In fact, he's one of three players in the NBA that has contested at least 200 shots, uh, the two point shots, and also contested an additional 100, uh, three point shots. And that's really rare. Um, the other guys are like, I believe Deandre Ayton and John Collins. So you really need some athleticism and size to do that. But Boucher had, has done so, while playing like 200 less minutes than both those guys. So Boucher's just per-minute efficiency in terms of defense is just off the charts, especially when he's not getting bullied down low. And I think that's why the Baines and Boucher combo has worked really well, is that um, Baines can cover for those low-post guys. He can box out, rebound, and that just frees Boucher to fly around. I mean, he had a a, a block on on a three-point shot. He bothered another three-point shot where he didn't get the block, but the guy shot like side of the backboard like Paul George. Um, And then Boucher had, I thought, the block in the night where he chased down... Joel Embiid at the basket and blocked him right at the rim. So Boucher was sensational, and and he was you know one of the main pivotal points in the, in the game. I mean, Fred VanVleet was talked about, and after the game, he said, "Yeah, when when Boucher shoots like that, we win." Uh, and, and he was excellent. And again, plus thirty two in twenty five minutes. That's sensational. That's some Kyle Lowry versus the Mavericks type of type of uh, numbers right there. But it, you know, this was a game where they got tons of contributions all around. Like it wasn't just one guy. Um, you know, I thought. Early in the game, they really needed uh, Pascal to, you know, get them going. The Raptors had, you know, they fell into an early deficit, which, you know, I wasn't that surprised by, considering the fact that the Raptors went to the small ball group anyway. It was actually funny, because Nick Nurse said uh, before the game, and he was talking about the the pregame press conference, he's like, oh, you know, 
I can't really see us playing small against this team, you know, like, and Bede's just so dominant, like, you know, what are we going to do? Like, we have to go away. I know we've been starting small, but we can't do that tonight. And, of course, if you watch enough Nick Nurse press conferences, he will sometimes use, his, uh, use that press conference to his advantage and maybe exaggerate some things, or in this case, outright, um, you know, call a, bl- uh, you know, basically bluff. But, um you know, it, it turned out to be a, a, a poor decision because that small ball group was just dominated by the Sixers. I mean, it wasn't just like they had too much size to handle offensively. The Raptors just couldn't even get good shots, period, because they had so little size. And it was difficult to play through anybody. And so the Raptors got down to an early deficit. They trailed 11-2. to Raptors had to call the first time out three minutes into the game. Then they went a little bit bigger. And I thought really what got them out of the mud early was Pascal. Pascal had some very difficult one-on-one assignments, scoring against Ben Simmons, who is tremendously effective defensively. I mean, for all the slander he gets, he he's really good defensively. And he played a great game tonight anyway, although he is still very annoying to watch. But, um, you know, Pascal got some tough baskets, got the Raptors going early. And the Raptors are still down double digits in the first quarter. But then Fred Van Vliet came alive in that stretch because I think the Sixers went to the bench a little bit was not less of Embiid and Fred just started like it was just going off man I mean he had a quiet first like nine minutes and all of a sudden he hits three threes one including one where late shot clock situation two seconds left Fred has to go bail out the team uh on on, like a dribble handoff with two seconds left and, and shoots this like banking three with his entire body and his whole momentum shifting him towards the other side of the floor, but he twists his body and banks it in. Then he hits another pull-up three. Then he hits another three. Then he drives inside for two free throws to end the first quarter, and that got the Raptors the lead early on. And, you know, Philly started playing better. I thought Philly's, like, you know, their their bench played better than the Raptors' bench, at least it felt like in the second quarter. It was a lot of Ben Simmons leading that group, and Ben Simmons getting out in transition, getting to the foul line. Ben Simmons shot 14 free throws today. Ben was super, super aggressive, and I thought the Raptors just didn't, you know, secure the ball enough. I thought, you know, guys like Norm, for example, six turnovers, just, just, just not enough. Even OG, three turnovers. Plays where OG was slow to come to the ball, or basically just guys storing passes that were a little bit soft, and if you know anything about Ben Simmons, he's going to be super physical and he's going to just run through guys. And of course, he's also lightning quick and hugely athletic. So um, he was able to break out and get on transition and the Raptors struggled a little bit there. Um, and even again in the third quarter, the Raptors, you know, they, they instead of, you know, starting with the small ball group as they started the game, changed the starting five, they put Baines in, placed a Bembry. Bembry also got into some early foul trouble. Uh, trying to guard Simmons, and so they put in Baines, but the Raptors are still getting cooked a little bit. Uh, the Sixers were shooting the lights out from three. They were six to eight from three. The Sixers were doing a better job of when Embiid got the ball in the post. The Raptors doubled, swing, swing, swing. In the opposite corner, Danny Green. It was Shake Milton, you know, Seth Curry, Tobias Harris. These guys are getting open for three, and they were knocking them down. And again, it took that Boucher stretch to get them through. Um, you know, that little cold stretch by Boucher putting on a, a fireworks show of his own with the three-point shots and getting the Raptors back ahead. But, you know, in the middle of all that, they needed somebody to sort of really run the offense. And I thought what was really interesting, the, the matchup, the game within the game, was who was the Sixers putting Ben Simmons on? Because Ben, whoever was guard, being guarded by Ben Simmons, 
that was going to be a, a mis, a, a, an advantage that the Raptors would want to go away from because he's that good defensively. We've seen him do some real damage to Pascal. We've seen him do some real damage to, to guards, you know, Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet. No Kyle today, which means obviously Simmons is guarding one of those two guys. Originally, Simmons started on Siakam. Siakam got a couple of baskets, but it wasn't like he was winning that matchup too much. Um, but with Simmons on uh, Siakam, that allowed Fred Van Vliet to get free. You know, he had that little burst offensively. And then, you know, second half, because the Raptors were kind of hurting the Sixers so much through Fred and his play creation, they shifted the ball. They they shifted that assignment. They put Simmons on Fred for most of the second half. And that allowed Pascal to get some more favorable matchups because, you know, when it's against Tobias Harris, Pascal versus Tobias, you know, Pascal can do a lot of things with that matchup. I've, I've seen it, you know, even dating back to 2019 in that playoff series, Pascal, in that first game, you know, I think Kawhi had like, I don't know. It was like Pascal and Kawhi combined for like 75 points on like 70% shooting. And it was a lot of Kawhi torching Ben. And it was a lot of Pascal torching Tobias. And, and Pascal has always had the size advantage on him. He's had the post advantage on him. And if you remember from that series, they had to change up their matchups to put Embiid on Siakam. They put Tobias on Marcus Saul and, and Mark wasn't actually able to hurt them in the post. So, um, in any case, Pascal versus Tobias is an, an advantage. And because Ben Bleet was on so early, you know, Pascal gets a better advantage, and Pascal just takes Tobias Harris uh, to school, gets him in the post, you know, draws two fouls on him, scores over him, and doing a great job there. And then when they started doubling Pascal, you know, his his playmaking has been really good of late. Eight assists, running the break, things like that, working the two-man game. Him and Boucher have always had good chemistry. Him and Fred have had good chemistry. And, and Pascal was just doing a good job of doing uh, distributing and also creating offense. Essentially, it was whoever Simmons was on, the other guy had to had to sort of run the offense, and, and the Raptors did do that really well. And, and then sort of around that, they got good contributions from other guys. I thought OG, you know, uh, on a minutes limit, you know, but he, he, he came up with some big baskets. I thought, you know, it's one play where he was isolated against Danny Green, and he just took him into the post and, and got him all the way to the basket and scored. Um, Norm, you know, he had some turnovers. I thought, you know, he, he had some real struggles. He was a minus 26 in a game the Raptors won, which is... Woof, but uh, he had some clutch free throws at the end, um, and and he also, um, you know, drove it inside a couple of times, although it wasn't necessarily his best game. The Sixers are doing a pr- pretty good job pressing up on Norm. I think um, I think teams have really, really, <laughs> at least good teams have really identified Norm as a very pivotal player for the Raptors, so um, they're, they're putting more attention on him, but I still anticipate a better game from Norm going forward. I didn't see too much that Norm hasn't, I don't see too much of the Sixers through at Norm specifically that should take him out of his game this much. It might have just been an off night. Um, I thought actually Danny Green fouling out was a pretty, pretty big sequence in the game because Danny ends up fouling out with two quick fouls to start the fourth quarter. And taking him off the floor meant another guy who was less experienced, you know, whether that was Isaiah Joe or Matisse Tybel even. Like, you know, Danny is a good two-way player, and today... You know, he was hitting, he hit three threes, he had five steals, two blocks, plus 18 for Danny in 24 minutes. Very productive. Once he came out of the game, again, that weakened the Sixers' perimeter defense even more, and I thought that gave more room for OG, Norm, Fred, whoever to attack, but uh, it was also kind of fun to see Pascal score on Danny or Fred score on Danny, but... You know, you know, I thought just they got contributions up down the floor. Like I thought, you know, Terrence Davis gave them pretty good minutes offensively when he first came in, and he gave them, you know, he wasn't that involved, but um, you know, he was knocking down the threes, you know, got to the rim for a dunk, 
had two steals, three assists, was generally playing good team defense, which is something that he hasn't been able to do the last few games. Well, pretty much the, the whole season, but today I thought his team defense was pretty solid. Uh, Boucher obviously did his thing, but Baines too. Like, I think Baines should get a lot of love for his performance tonight because you might say, all right, you know, it's not that impressive. Eight points, you know, there's still some missed layups, four for nine. You know, you couldn't hit any threes. Everything is short from the three-point line, but um, you you need <laughs> – Baines was crucial. Like, you don't win this game without Baines, and Baines played 30 minutes. And Nick Nurse eventually started, you know, matching Baines' minutes with Embiid's minutes. So he was changing his sub patterns so that he can get that matchup more often because Baines was the only guy who could, like, physically hold Embiid. Because you're going to need to hold him in the post, then send a double team, and then you're starting to, to do well. But Baines did a good job. Didn't bite on too many of Embiid's pump fakes. You know Embiid has that stupid little slow pump fake, that almost like a JV pump fake, but, like, some bigs bite on it. We've seen even Mark and Serge bite on it. Uh, we've seen Baines and Alex Len bite on it the first time the Raptors played the Sixers. Baines did a good job of not fouling Embiid on the perimeter, containing the drive. And at first it was like, okay, Embiid was winning offensive rebounds, but you'll live with two offensive rebounds from Embiid. And Embiid overall shot 6 of 20 from the field. Yes, he gets a ton of points because he goes to the free throw line often, but, I mean, you'll take that, man. 6 of 20, you will take that. You know, Fred, you know Joel Embiid just came off a 50-point game, right? <laughs> so for the fact that Baines was even, you know, physically there, solid enough, you know, guarded without fouling for the most part, fouled when he needed to. Uh, he did a really good job, and uh, Baines should get a lot of love. I mean, this is exactly why you bring in a guy like Baines. I think the Raptors probably expected a little bit more from him, considering they gave him the starting role, and, you know, you expect him to contribute more than in just these specific physical matchups, but he was great tonight. He was awesome, and, um, you know, a, a guy who's taken a lot of heat uh, this season, obviously from me and uh, everywhere else, basically, Um but he was great tonight, and I'm expecting, you know, in that rematch, I'm expecting Baines to probably go back into the starting five because you kind of just need him to start against Embiid. You kind, you kind of need to, and I wouldn't be surprised if Baines started the game after that as well against the Heat because Baines did a pretty good job against um, Adebayo. So I mean, you know, just as the Raptors have sort of recovered from their two and eight start, I think a lot of these other guys have recovered from that. You know, Baines, he's you know steadying himself a little bit it seems like him off the bench has really found a nice rhythm he's found some good matchups you know him and Boucher have been a pretty good defensive combo the last three games um I guess last four games um you know dating back to the two Bucks games and the starting five I mean you know they just keep you know producing and I was really proud of the fact that you know Pascal found a way to score against the Sixers because the Sixers have not necessarily had um you know I mean the Sixers have had some pretty good defensive outputtings against uh, Pascal. I mean, you know, it's just a very tough team. Again, similar to Pascal historically struggling against the Bucks, you know, they have that big wing defender, super athletic and matching with, you know, Simmons and Siakam, just like Giannis and Siakam. And then, of course, you had someone huge at the basket. Um, but Pascal's done really well, man. He did really well against the Bucks, and he did really well tonight. And, I mean, he nearly had a triple-double, 23 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists. I thought he was great. And then Fred, I mean, Fred famously got torched in the Sixers series. Fred, you know, my favorite, st- well, not my favorite, my least favorite stat from that Sixers series is that Fred got blocked more often, got a shot blocked more often than in terms of total threes that he made, which is just inconceivable uh, over the course of a seven-game series. But um, Fred, you know, even dating back to last year, he's had some 20-point outings against the Sixers. But this is still a tough defensive um, assignment, especially because their size. I mean, Danny Green was a pretty good wing defender, you know, Matisse Thibault is a really decent 
perimeter defender, although he just ended up fouling quite a bit early in the game. I don't know, man. This guy committed like three fouls and then like took a tech and then left the game. I, I was not sure what happened with Matisse, but I think he could be better than this. Um, but Fred really worked that um, matchup really well tonight. And honestly, even though those guys are bigger than him, Fred got free, put his impact on the game, set everybody up, and had some great plays, including defensively where you know, once a game, Fred is going to have some sort of game-changing steal. And today, him just wrestling the ball from Joel and B to spark a fast break, digging down. I mean, <laughs> Fred Lead is the absolute best player in the NBA at digging down to help in the post. It's ridiculous how often he does that and, and creates turnovers. And a large part of guys getting you know credit, like Baines getting credit for, for guarding Embiid or um, you know, Marcus all getting credit for shutting down Embiid or, or defense against Vucevic or all these other guys, JV, for example. A lot of that is just Fred. Like, Fred is so good. Like, it, it's game-changingly good how, how, how much Fred, um, is able to get in there and swipe the ball. And just like how he, like, literally wrestled it away from Giannis and took candy from a baby. Like, he did the same thing to Embiid tonight. And those are some of the biggest players in the league. Like, literally, Embiid is twice as big as Fred, and Fred's ripping this guy and starting the fast break and getting the Raptors scoring. So, great game, great defense. I thought Nick Nurse had a really good game as well, even though he started with a small ball group, figured out his rotation as it went on. And that's great because that's what you want to see from a coach, right? You want to see in-game adjustments. And I think now that with another game coming up, with the rematch coming up, if the Raptors can summon the similar... Uh, effort defensively, I think they can take another one from this team because even though the Sixers do profile as a bad matchup for the Raptors, I mean, the Raptors did a lot of good stuff against the Sixers in the half court. Where the Raptors struggled in this game defensively for the first three quarters, I mean, didn't, I mean, honestly, in the full course of the game, the Raptors did really well, right? Philadelphia averages like 115 points per game. They're, they're down a 103 tonight, had shot 40% from the field, or, or less than 40% from the field. They shot 39%. Um, that's a great defensive performance for the Raptors, but I think one thing that the Raptors could clean up still is their transition defense. Like that's a large part of why Simmons shot nine of eleven with ten of fourteen from the free throw line. Um, you know, I think the Raptors took some bad shots, especially early on. The Sixers got free, and there's just like you just have to be careful with this team because they're so huge defensively, and Embiid is such a turn at the basket that you're going to sometimes settle for bad shots. You're going to sometimes get pressured on the perimeter because, again, with Embiid at the basket, the perimeter guys can be even more aggressive uh, on the ball. And so sometimes if you're sloppy with the ball, like I thought, you know, Norm and OG were culprits of that tonight, you know, guys can get out in the fast break, and, and the Sixers are really lethal in the fast break. So if the Raptors can cut down on the turnovers, they can do even better against this team. And, and that's a scary thought because the Raptors, obviously, are only 16 and 15 on the season, but they are the hottest team in the Eastern Conference uh, since their 2-8 and eight start. And um, that's not saying that much. There's been a lot of garbage performances in the Eastern Conference. There's like, I don't know, man, how many teams in this conference are? There's five teams in the Eastern Conference that are above 500. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so Sixers at 20, 20 and 11, Bucks at 19 and 12. Uh, or sorry, uh, Nets at 19 and 12, Bucks at 17 and 13, Pacers at 15 and 14, which is tied with the Raptors at 16 and 15. I mean, listen, Raptors have beat all, beaten all these other teams in the playoffs picture. Only team they haven't beaten yet is the Boston Celtics, who are 15 and 15, which is uh, truly, you love to see it. You love to see the Boston Celtics at 15 and 15, blowing double-digit leads to the uh, New Orleans Pelicans and losing in overtime because Kemba Walker can't uh, can't hit jumpers anymore. Um 
you know, the Raptors are they're moving their way up, and and they're they've they've had some really nice performances. I mean, they beat the Sixers now, they beat the Nets, they beat the Bucks twice, they beat the Pacers. Um, you know, even in the rest of the playoff conf- you know picture, they've beaten the Knicks, they they've beaten the Hornets, and they still haven't played a lot of these tougher teams or these easier teams like you know Detroit. Uh, they haven't played Cleveland. They only played Washington once. You know, so uh, you know it, it's it's looking quite good for your Raptors and. Uh, you know, this game was yet another statement win, like I said off the top. So, um, in terms of your three stars, honestly, I really want to give Chris the first star. I don't know if he was the best player for the Raptors overall, but he gave the Raptors such a massive push, both offensively and defensively in that third quarter and to start the fourth quarter. My favorite thing this season is seeing Chris play these ridiculously long stretches in the game where you might say it's not even totally, uh, totally healthy to see the Raptors, um, uh, you know, <laughs> to see the Raptors go with one guy for that long, but you know, uh, Boucher has just been that impactful. Where that you know, it's it's that important to have Boucher on the floor. Boucher subbed into the game with the six minute mark of the third quarter, and he came out of the game the two minute mark of the fourth quarter, which meant he played sixteen straight minutes. Which again is not even the first time that's happened this season, but it's wild that that's happening. But he's uh. He's been that good. So 17 points for Chris, five rebounds and assists, three blocks, five of six from three, six of eight from the uh, the field, three blocks, uh, and again, plus 32 in 25 minutes. And that's not even an aberration. Like sometimes you get some weird plus minuses because of whatever. No, Chris was the main driving factor between that plus 32. So he was he gets the first star. Second star, I'll give it to Pascal, 23 points, seven rebounds, eight assists, a steal, 41 minutes. This guy was playing great defense, eight of 18 from the field. Got to the free throw line six times. I like the way the Raptors have been using Pascal as a screener, working him in the pick and roll, involving him in the pick and roll, whether he's, whether he's just screening to get an advantage for someone else or when he's handling the ball and attacking a, a smaller guy. Today it was more of Pascal screening, but, uh, you know, it's been pretty effective. And Pascal gave them some very tough buckets. And, uh, again, 41 minutes. I mean, it's, it's the most of anyone in this game. It was a very heavy workload. And then third star is going to Fred VanVleet. 23 points, 5 rebounds, 9 assists, a steal, a block, 7 of 15 from the field, 5 of 10 from 3, 4 of 5 from the free throw line, 38 minutes. Um, just a great two-way game, as you would always expect for Fred VanVleet. So, great win. In terms of your Gerald Henderson Award winner, that honestly has to go to Ben Simmons. This is the best game I've seen Ben Simmons play against the Raptors. 28 points on 9 of 11 shooting is ridiculous. And obviously Ben Simmons is an all-star level player. I'm not giving him this out of disrespect, but he was sensational tonight. And uh, you can't, you really can't deny him. I mean, he was so physical. Punched through the Raptors defense repeatedly and, you know, in the fourth quarter he disappeared a little bit. But, you know, that's what, that's what, that's what you kind of expect to see happen. But, yeah, he was a menace and the Raptors got to do a better job in transition defense. Um, before I go, there's breaking news on the podcast. Wow, okay, so I didn't see this one coming, but the uh, Toronto Raptors have lost their lead assistant coach, Chris Finch, um, who has been now hired to replace Ryan Saunders uh, with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Ryan Saunders was just not very good, and you know we, we saw in that second game where the Raptors were primed to be beaten, and for some reason he put Ricky Rubio back in the game, and the Raptors uh, were able to <laughs> come back. But yeah, it's, it's, it is a loss because I think Chris Finch has done some decent things here with the Raptors. I'm super happy for Chris because, um, you know, this is everyone's dream to get a job in the NBA. And Chris is, has the same story as, you know, Coach Nurse with, um, you know, playing low division uh, basketball in the States and then, you know, going overseas, playing in the, in, in the U.S., 
um, or is on the plane, like the coaching in the uh, the UK and you know playing and coaching in the UK and and him and Nick were real adversaries and going through the G League and things like that. So they have a crazy story, the two of them. And wow, I mean, this is now the Nick Nurse coaching tree just continues to grow and expand. The Raptors have now. Obviously lost Nate Bjorkren at the, in the offseason to uh, Indiana, and they lost Chris Finch. And honestly, Chris Finch as the offensive coordinator, I mean, early on it was a little bit ugly. The Raptors had some ugly results offensively. But if you look at the Raptors offensively this season, they're, they, they've they now gone into the top 10. They're 10th in offense this year, tied with the Dallas Mavericks, who are 9th. And they have literally, they have Luka Doncic. So, um you know, Chris has done a good job. And, and it is a bit of an awkward situation the Raptors are in now because... You know, um, it is a bit of a, you know, it, it is a bit of an awkward situation because obviously you lose Nate, of course, in the offseason, but you can bring in Chris, so that's fine. But now you, Chris has been hired away, and I believe, um, you know, assistant coach Sergio Scariolo is still overseas at the moment um, coaching Spain. Of course, he'll temporarily come back. This is just like a qualifier kind of thing. He'll come back, but... That only leaves the Raptors with two front-of-the-bench um, coaches. Obviously, most coaches are employed at the moment during seasons. So, I'm not really quite sure what the Raptors will do. They'll have to promote somebody. But I'm happy for Chris, honestly. this is, And I'm sure Nick will say the same thing. Uh, you know, this is every coach's dream is to coach in the NBA. And, and Chris Finch has finally, after many years as an assistant, many years coaching overseas, uh, gotten this chance. So... You know, again, everyone wants a piece of the Raptors because the Raptors are just, you know, one of the model franchises in the NBA, which honestly, if you told me this while I was like a 2008 Raptor fan watching like Jermaine O'Neal play with Andre Bernani, a small forward, I wouldn't say that. I, I just wouldn't say that. You know, I wouldn't say the Raptors were a model franchise when they had, you know, um, you know, this again, Brian Colangelo and this whole slew of errors and things like that. But the Raptors are really at this point where they're like the Spurs. Everyone's going to try to poach our guys, and you just got to be happy when some of these guys move on. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Great win by the Raptors. And, uh, yeah, the Raptors will practice tomorrow uh, without their <laughs> lead assistant coach, and um, they will play the Philadelphia 76ers once again to finish off their season series uh, against Philly in Philly um, on Tuesday. So thanks, everyone, for listening. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'll be back then. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.